look out, something is going to get you tonight. Let's talk about the thing that's going to get you tonight. Welcome to the Happy Harvest Horror Show. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast. I'm Corey. And I'm Brian. And this is the Happy Harvest Horror Show. Welcome back uh, to our spooky podcast where we talk every week about all things spooky culture and frightful things happening in our lives and a little terrifying look into history. And this week... (laughs) You like that? <laughs> terrifying. Terrifying, terrifying history. <laughs> history is scary. <laughs> uh, and today we got a fun occult topic to talk about. We certainly do. I'm excited about this. I have lots, lots of information, lots of notes. Lots There's so of... much information on this. Oh my There's... God. So many things to talk about. I mean, I'm already in my head, like planning follow-up episodes, but. I'm excited. I'm excited to give y'all the 411 on the hermetic order of the Golden Dawn. And what's that, you might ask? Oh, after all the research, I'm still asking that. So, <laughs> well, b- before we get into it, we uh, we have to banter. We we oh yeah, banter time. We'd be remiss not to banter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Corey, how spooky was your week? is pretty spooky um i guess it's been a few weeks it has been a few weeks it's 2021 y'all hey oh hey oh that's fun that's a fun thing mm-hmm. um happy new year thanks happy new year <laughs> my spooky week my spookiest thing would actually have to be how i spent my uh new year's eve and new year's day which was marathoning the fourth season of The Chilling Adventures of Yeah. Sabrina. Hell yeah. I love that show. I love I do that too. show. I'm I'm five episodes in. Um I haven't finished it yet. Oh um, man. Oh man. I know. I mean I we we could talk we could just talk about the show in general because I'm gonna really miss it. I think that's why I'm not binging it because I'm like, oh I don't want it to oh, go. I, I'm gonna I'm starting from the beginning. From the beginning like, again. Yeah. I maybe tonight actually I might start from the beginning because yeah, I oh, I love the show. It's so good. It's so good. And I think the ending's really good. Obviously, cool. I won't give it away. Yeah. I really I really liked the ending though. Cool. Yeah, I too am sad that it's over but i think i think they really knocked it out of the park with the fourth season like the third season was kind of in my opinion i still liked it i still had fun with it you know but i was like okay we're kind of losing our mojo here and then i think you know because it was the final season i don't they they really pulled it out in my opinion i thought the fourth season was fantastic yeah so far, it's really fun. I think it's kind of structured like an anthology in a weird kind of way. They're like, we got mm-hmm. eight Eldritch Terrors, and we yes. have eight episodes. So it's like, all right, this terror didn't work, so this one will be this episode, you know? <laughs> exactly. And and I think that also just points to something that is like the basis of the show's appeal and part of what makes the show so wonderful mm-hmm. is it really does pull from that um, something we're going to talk a lot about today, actually, the the structure of the occult in a lot mm-hmm. of ways. You sure. know, it, it pulls from actual occult knowledges, occult teachings, and creates this world that is 
very much in line with all these things, but it's still its own world, but it's, it's layered and it's structured in the same way that a lot of ancient knowledges and Mm -hmm. yeah, spooky, like you said, anthologies and things like this are structured and it just brings them all together to create just the most wonderful spooky universe oh it's so good it's like a greatest hits of everything we love in spooky culture you know all in one totally and i would totally totally live in this town oh my gosh spend every waking moment at dr cerberus's bookstore like (laughs) god damn it every scene (laughs) in that place i'm like this has to be a place in the real world and if not i it's my gonna be my lifelong dream to make it myself because i love that place oh yeah it's fantastic there yeah there has to be something similar to it because yeah the the bookstore slash like hangout you know like kind of cafe yeah yeah, milkshake spot like uh it's it's wonderful and yeah and even just you know like sabrina's family running a mortuary and like it's so good it's all Mm -hmm. just brilliant i definitely i enjoy like shows targeted at teenagers when they're well done Mm -hmm. i think this one does a really great job of kind of capturing that like teenage spirit that like anyone who's been a teenager can relate to you know yeah but yet it's still very interesting and you know is is so referential and dark and i also i just i relate a lot to the character of sabrina in this incarnation you know the Mm -hmm. very like like bubbly peppy but like also loves spooky shit and is very dark like the you know the queen of hell who also just like cares about people like really Mm -hmm. deeply (laughs) sure sure that like that combination of factors is something i just i really love about the character and the way they kind of developed her from I don't know much about the comic book, but obviously I was a kid in the 90s, Sabrina mm-hmm. the Teenage Witch in the 90s I'm familiar with. And I really, really enjoy the take on that character yeah. in Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. I think you see the original, but like so much more depth, so so many more layers in the Sabrina from Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. Oh, definitely, definitely. There was a kind of a push for a few of different Archie World comics where they went more horror route. The Chilling Adventures is one that the show is based off of. And there was also one called Afterlife with Archie where like a zombie apocalypse comes to Riverdale and they're all like held up and it's very fun. But yes, that's where that came from. Yeah, I haven't I haven't done Riverdale. Like I know they're like in the same universe and mm-hmm. They like reference Riverdale occasionally, but I haven't. And they never had the crossover episode, which I felt like would duh. They they kept referring to each other because even though it's over, the creator said that they're going to be coming back with something that it's not quite over, which I don't know what that means. And maybe it means they're going to bring Afterlife with Archie in and Sabrina will help Riverdale with a zombie apocalypse. Yeah, That'd be yeah. awesome. I bet it probably is some kind of crossover. That would be a good way to make that happen for mm-hmm. sure. There is, I'm not going to say what it is, but there is a type of crossover that happens this season. Okay. And it's good. Okay. It's good. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. Okay. All right. All right. I think you'll really enjoy it. It's not a Riverdale crossover. But. Okay. The episode I just finished was the Imp of the Perverse one, mm-hmm. which, was, which was a fun little alternate history one. Yeah. Yeah. God, I'm going to miss that show. 
I think that show probably deserves an episode as well, diving into Sabrina. We could even do an episode on like all the Sabrina, like Sabrina, you know, the comic yes. or the comic, the two versions. We like... should have a Sabrina episode. That'd be really yeah, fun. Yeah, I think that'd be fun too. And then our top five places we'd love to live within that show. <laughs> I can't narrow it down to one. But yeah, so that that was my big my big marathon recently. Uh, how spooky was your week, sir? Uh, it was pretty spooky. Uh, well, I also watched Sabrina. That did happen. I watched a <laughs> few others. I watched I watched this movie called Hunter Hunter. That it was pretty. It's kind of a very simple story, but it has an ending that was just fucking wild. So if anyone wants a just a super feel bad horror movie. <laughs> Which there are anyone, times and places. If anyone wants to just feel bad, just feel bad. If you, you just want to have a bummer of a movie uh, with an ending that makes you go, "Holy shit!" Um, check out this movie called Hunter Hunter, which is this backwood. I'm not going to say too much because I feel like I went in blind and it really, really sold it for me. <laughs> really, really oh, fuck you. <laughs> really Did you see the Lodge of this year? No. Uh huh. It was another feel bad movie, but it was someone. <laughs> Someone on on Twitter had said, which made me go see it. They're like, for anyone who thought the lodge uh, was was too happy of an ending, go check out this movie. <laughs> and so I went and found this one. Um, the lodge similarly has a very dark ending. I also made this top ten list for the Happy Harvest Horror Show podcast of the best horror of the twenty twenty uh, year from hell. It was pretty scary. <laughs> And it was pretty hard coming up with that list because I kept remembering things um, from the past year. But also like, damn, 2020 was a lot, but we also had some really great horror, you know, like this. Yeah, I think you compiled a a really nice, really nice list for the people. Well, thanks. Well, go check it out. It's on our it's on our Instagram. And if you haven't seen any, go add them to your list and then we can talk about them. And add Hunter Hunter to your list, too. So then we can really (laughs) get mad at me when you finish it. I can be depressed. <laughs> so depressed. <laughs> I also, it's been kind of a project right now uh, in quarantine. I'm, I'm creating this room that I'm in. You know, I've always wanted a, a, a room where I could put a lot of spooky stuff, my kind of spooky stuff and put it on display. And it's been a long time. And now I have this kind of fortunate to have this room right now. So I've been hanging up pictures and little head busts and spooky posters. And it's been a fun project. That's that's what I got going on. Oh, that's fun. You should uh, take, some, take pictures. some pictures. Yeah. I want to, I want to see. Yeah. I'll take some pictures. Take some pictures. I'm <laughs> oh, yeah. I, there is one blank wall that I'm waiting on. I have a, I have a gorgeous poster from Francesco Francavilla and he did this Frankenstein poster. I love this poster so much. And he did a companion poster this year uh, for the bride of Frankenstein. And I was like, yes, perfect. It'll go great. It'll be a great wall piece. And the poster has been postponed by two months. Um, oh. in February. So now I just have this empty wall waiting for her bride. <laughs> Aww. <laughs> I know. I know. And they're even going to look at each other because one's facing one way and then the companion, she's facing the other. And, it, and he's just lonely right now. I'm looking at him oh. like, come on. I guys. think you have a future in like spooky interior design. I love spooky interior design. It's I've pretty great. Shared a bunch. There's a there's a Twitter account called Gothic Home. Mm-hmm. I share a lot of their stuff on our Instagram. I just think they they've got a great presence and and showing really fun ideas and arrangements. And maybe you're supposed to open the real life 
Dr. Cerberus's. I told you that was my plan. That's what I want. Okay. I want to have this. I did. And it's hard to place in that show. Let's, let's get back to Sabrina here. We're, we're getting away from <laughs> it. Let's get back to it. <laughs> what time period does it feel like it's set in? Because it. <sighs> yeah, that is a good question. I, I mean, I think it's set in contemporary. Like it's It's today. definitely like contemporary today. But, but everything around them and what they're wearing says something else. You know? Yeah, no, I totally agree. Because I actually, now that you bring that up. When I first started watching it, when it first came out, I did have trouble placing it at first. I think over time, I was like, okay, it's supposed to be now. It's supposed to be contemporary. Mm-hmm. But you're you're totally right. Like there is, there's a, I think a lot of mixing of time periods. Actually, I think it's vintage in a lot of ways. Like it's sometimes so it vintage in so many ways. Feels very fifties. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it feels very Victorian Gothic. Like mm-hmm. I think it really is probably intentionally playing with that mix of different time frames because yeah it's it's difficult to place for sure well whatever that is it's because it's <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's where i want to be <laughs> but it's been hard to like verbalize that you know it's hard to be like all right so this this design is what i'm looking for in my room and they're yeah. like okay describe it to me i'm like okay well it's kind of well, it's kind of 50s it's also <laughs> kind of today it's also kind of the 1800s. It's also kind of. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> I'm thinking milkshake shop meets uh, contemporary horror bookstore meets. Uh, Gothic know, castle. Gothic castle. Can yeah. You picture it. <laughs> like, <laughs> meets haunted graveyard. Yes. Haunted graveyard. Absolutely. <laughs> so one day, one day I will open that up and I will, uh, and the money will flow in because everybody. <laughs> We'll say thank you. It's finally here. We've been wanting it too. Yeah. Oh, man. Man. <laughs> All right. All right. So yeah, that's spooky week. Let's get into. Uh, yeah, I have so much to talk about. So like, we should get going because this is going to be <laughs> a lot. Um. Oh, also, real quick before we dive in, shouts out to our supporters. Yes. Yes. Love yes. Ya. Erica, Jennifer, Jody, Aaron. You guys are real ones. We really appreciate you mm-hmm. helping us keep, you know, making making this podcast so we can celebrate spooky yeah. season all year round. Yes, yes, yes. If you would like to uh, add to the Happy Harvest Horror Show Fund, mm-hmm. very easy to do. You can just throw us your spare change at Brian. How about you? <laughs> <laughs> you always forget. <laughs> it's uh, anchor.fm slash HHHS slash support. That's it. That's and that's it. how you join our coven of supporters. Beautiful. It's very easy. Uh, just pop in your information and you can choose however much. And yeah, you can help us continue to make this spooky content. Hell yeah. You. Thank you to all our supporters. Appreciate yes. you. Thank you. Thank you. Also, writing iTunes reviews, sharing us, posting about us, all of that is super helpful. Telling as well. all of your family members about us. Yep. And all of it is, it really helps us grow and we really appreciate it. So thank you. Shall we get into it? We shall. Okay. We are talking about the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn. Whoa. 
What a name. <laughs> what is it? <laughs> okay, so first off, I want to just uh, preface everything. The Golden Dawn is also, I learned this today, the name of a uh, far-right political party slash extremist oh. group in Greece not related to the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn. It's a separate thing. It's taken. Yeah, it's a, so I don't know, I didn't do a bunch of research. I don't know anything about it, but if you just type in Golden Dawn, you might get some of that stuff. And that is not what we're talking about today. So Mm -mm. nope. just letting you know. Instead, we're talking about a society. Really? Yeah, that's what it is, right? (laughs) (laughs) It is. Yeah, yeah, a secret society. This must be this must be one of their tactics in staying so secret is there is so much information out there about them that it's uh it, it drives people away. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that is something about occult and like esotericism in general is it's it's quite complex and sometimes convoluted. And I think part of that could be to make it a little more you know, less accessible. So it's a little more like, oh, we're a secret society, like a little, like you got to do the work before mm-hmm. you can be a part of it kind of a thing. It's the first test. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I'll kind of just to give people a little bit of background vocabulary because yes, yes, we're please. talking about a specific secret society and we're talking about it in a historical context that's what we're doing here today topics like this are super complex that's kind of an understatement the hermetic order of the golden dawn is a form of ritual magic or esotericism and it involves a lot of layers of information so To break down the term esotericism or esoteric, it's a word that gets thrown around a lot, but I think a lot of people don't really understand what it means. Mm -hmm. Esoteric means something is complex, enigmatic. It involves many layers of information, and it is often used to reference mysterious and occult-based knowledges. Mm-hmm. That's what the word esoteric means. Also, we may have mentioned this before on the show, but the word occult, if you mm-hmm. didn't know, I think a lot of people don't really fully know what occult means either. The word occult means hidden. Mm-hmm. So occult, O-C-C-U-L-T, is not the same thing as a cult. Like when we talk about uh, Heaven's Gate was a cult. Like that's not, they're not the same thing. No. The word occult, O-C-C-U-L-T, it comes from the word meaning hidden. So it's a reference to hidden knowledges, hidden practices, often beliefs and practices that are not in the mainstream of society or not even in the mainstream of reality sometimes. Right. So is there a crossover between cults and occult knowledges? 100%. They are not the same thing, though. So the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn is an esoteric group and a system of ritual magic. It is a secret society that sprouted up in Britain in the, drumroll, late 19th century because that was a spooky-ass time. Dude, spiritualism in this 19th century? (laughs) Get out of here. Yeah, yeah. it was a spooky time, especially, yeah, in England, um, in the U.S. as well, but... 
uh, uh, very spooky, very, very into secret societies, spiritualism, <laughs> esotericism. The original Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn peaked in the 1890s and then dissipated. However, there was a resurgence in the 20th century and a form of this society slash magic practice still is in existence today. However, from what I can tell, the version today is, you know, it's developed and changed a lot from the original. Apparently, the main headquarters is in uh, Tampa, Florida. <laughs> which, what? Made me, <laughs> which made me chuckle because that might be like the least spooky place I could think of. <laughs> <laughs> oh, home of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You got to <laughs> medic. Uh, oh, man. Then I sat and I thought about it, and it does make sense because. Kabbalah is really big in Florida. I don't know if you knew that, but the practice mm -hmm. of Kabbalah is really big in Florida. And Hermeticism and Kabbalah are interrelated practices, knowledges, belief systems. So I think there's probably a lean towards like the Kabbalistic going on, maybe. Mm hmm. In, in a more like contemporary sense. But uh, you can check out their website, golden dawn ancient mystery school.com. <laughs> I'm not trying to laugh. It's just, it, it's, it's being new to it. It's, it's a lot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Totally. Totally. But yeah. So that's, that's like the contemporary. But in this episode, we're talking more about the historical, more about where it came from, how it started that kind of information. Some of the most influential people in Western ritual magic and Western occult practices were members of the Golden Dawn. The three founders of the Golden Dawn were William Robert Woodman, William <laughs> Wynne Westcott, and Samuel McGregor Mathers, which those are some names. Um, and all three of them were also Freemasons, which... Another society. Another society, which also carries with it a lot of, you know, mysterious connotations, right? Stacks on stacks. Stacks on stacks on stacks. <laughs> also, uh, one of the most famous members of the Golden Dawn was Aleister Crowley, who you have likely heard of. He was a member for some time. Uh, he apparently broke the secrecy of the group, which was like a big, big deal. Moment. Yeah. Especially in the early incarnations of this group. It was, you're not supposed to do that. Mm -hmm. Super interesting dude. I I don't know about you, Brian. I don't have much on him for this episode because I feel like we'll do a whole Aleister Crowley episode because he was yeah. like a, a force in, in himself, you know? Yeah. Well, <laughs> what I gathered is, is he was a member of... Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn. He was a member in his younger years, and then he went off to be the wicked, powerful magician that we know him as today. Yeah, um, yeah. But that, that's, that's the one connection I saw, is this was kind of during his formative years he was a member. Also, there are lists you can find of pretty notable people that were either members or alleged members, one of which was uh, W.B. Yeats. Um, so a lot of, like, writers... Writers in the in the late 19th century artists, you know, more free thinking types that mm -hmm. were in some way connected to the Golden Dawn, which kind of added to its allure, you know, and people's interest sure. in it. 
So influences of the Golden Dawn, and these are really more than just influences. Some of these are actually integral practices within this society belief system. The first one being Hermeticism, Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn. To give Mm -hmm. you a really, really quick definition of Hermeticism is an occultist philosophical tradition based on the writings of Hermes Trismegistus. So Hermes, uh, he was the dude that said, uh, know thyself. That was Hermes. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, that makes sense for an order of occult philosophy. Yeah. Ancient philosopher, know thyself was like his big thing. And many writers and thinkers throughout history have considered Hermes to be some kind of like pagan prophet who foresaw the coming of Christianity. So we're talking ancient, like Hermes long, long time ago. Mm-hmm. And at the core of Hermeticism is the connection between science and spirituality. So practices like alchemy and astrology are under the umbrella of Hermeticism. And they are practices that basically seek to understand the spiritual, the paranormal, the invisible through mm-hmm. an experimental process in a scientific way. So a lot of what's under the umbrella of Hermeticism are the things that, yeah, you consider to be a mix of like science and spirituality. Some people might use the term pseudoscience, you know, scientific ways of organizing spiritual realities Mm -hmm. like astrology and alchemy. Mm -hmm. Other, Mm -hmm. other influences of the golden dawn, Christian mysticism, the Kabbalah, Greek and Egyptian myth was a big part of it. Yeah, I saw a lot of Egyptian stuff, a lot of mythology in this. A lot of mythology, which which just adds to the layers of information, right? Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. Rosicrucianism is very closely linked to uh, the Golden Dawn. Like I said, alchemy, theosophy, tarot, and Freemasonry. So lots of other societies and you know, occult and esoteric beliefs are interrelated with the Hermetic Order of the Golden Stacks on stacks. Okay, so kind of going back to Hermeticism, the Mm. idea or purpose of Hermeticism is to use natural magic to enrich one's connection with the spiritual realm of being. So like I said, science in the sense that like science is studying the natural world, right? So we're studying the natural world in an experimental way to understand the spiritual realm. Interestingly, the early doctrine of the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn echoes a lot of popular self-improvement techniques from the time, Mm -hmm. which this stuck out to me because it seems really fitting because I feel like there's a, a really large overlap right now between contemporary spirituality and like the world of self-help. Oh, sure. Yeah. They overlap sometimes in very wonderful ways and also sometimes in problematic ways, in my opinion. Manifest your own happiness. Yeah, exactly. I mean, usually the problematic aspect from what I have gathered is uh, dependent on the extent to which capitalism is involved, right? Like at play, but... Yeah, pay me money and I'll show you how to manifest your own (laughs) exactly (laughs) all the money and then and especially if it's a situation where it's like pay me money and then continue to pay me money 
so you can continue to manifest your happiness <laughs> for a low monthly fee. You know, that's just a good tip for anyone out there uh, on how not to get caught up in like a pyramid scheme or a cult or, <laughs> mm-hmm. or a, you know, yeah, like multi-level marketing situation. Yeah. If it's not necessarily bad if there's money involved, but if it's making you dependent on having to continue to pay money, that is uh, a big warning sign. So yeah. listen, you're already your own boss. Don't let someone say <laughs> you want to be your own boss because you're already there. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, you already are. You are your own you boss. <laughs> I just saved you money and uh, boost of self-esteem. There we go. <laughs> Beautiful. Love it. Capitalism, man. Um. Anyways, so back to the Golden Dawn. <laughs> Actually, this would be a great time to break for an ad. <laughs> <laughs> So you know we're going to do it. We'll be right back. (laughs) When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to our Capitalist Free Podcast. (laughs) All right. So the Golden Dawn. We're talking about the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn. Mm -hmm. The Golden Dawn allowed women, which was a pretty big deal for Mm the time and the cultural norms. And was opposite of the Freemasons, right? Yes. Yeah. Freemasons definitely didn't include women. And so it was, you know, progressive in that in that sense. And additionally, there were actually two goddesses that embody the order's symbolic center, Isis, the Egyptian goddess of magic and nature, and Mm -hmm. Urania, the Greek muse of astronomy. So they also had goddesses as like their primary symbolic focus. So, you know, just trying to up the the lady power, which uh, we have to appreciate, especially at this point in time. Always. The system is kind of built on a hierarchy, which is very, very common for these secret societies that you you rise up. There are 11 grades that you can make your way through in mm-hmm. the Golden Dawn. Yeah, there's the uh, the outer circle, right? That's mm-hmm. the first. And that is that teaches a lot of esoteric philosophy and sort of like self-help that we were talking about. So we've got the your astrology, your um, tarot, um, am I right? Am I on the right path here? <laughs> I think so. <laughs> Who knows, man? I'm I'm <laughs> I'm talking about a secret, you know, <laughs> like occult society, and I'm I'm trying to. Uh, but th- that, from what I understand, that that yeah, that golden dawn refers to itself, and it also re- refers to three branches. And the first one in the entry level is the outer mm-hmm. order, and there's also hierarchy within this these orders too. Yeah. Which all adds up to there being like 11 different grades. But yes, they're broken down into like three circles. Right. Which right. are all kind of their own little societies in a way, you know. So yeah. very, very hierarchical. 
Also, the Golden Dawn certainly wasn't like a standalone spiritual organization. As we've mentioned a million times, spiritualism was huge. And the Golden Dawn was merely a contributor to like this whole network of spiritualism in the late 19th century of a lot of different societies, you know, secret societies, some not so secret societies. This one became kind of well known because like I mentioned, there were some just big name like writers and um, just more well-known people in society that Mm -hmm. were connected to it in some way. And it got, you know, notoriety because of that. Mm -hmm. I read that Bram Stoker was a member. Yeah, so that has never been proven, but yes, there are there are. God rumors. damn it, we want to believe. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> there are there are rumors that uh, Bram Stoker was was a part of it as well. So yeah, that's that's the first order, and it's an order within itself. So even though they're the the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, um, we, <laughs> they are three, but they are one. It's funny that you say that because, like, yes, we are talking about this, like magic occult esotericism but christian mysticism is very much rooted in this organization like totally Mm -hmm. there is christian ideas and like theology at play for sure for sure the second order should we talk about the second or the inner circle if you'd like to i'd love to more than anything the the second order Whereas the first one taught more um, esoteric philosophy, the inner one taught, this is the juicy stuff, they got the magic proper, like including like astral travel and alchemy. So this was like magic TM, like, like magic, you know, (laughs) (laughs) like Hogwarts, (laughs) this order, the second order is also called the Ruby Rose and the Cross of Gold is another name for this second order. I'm just, I keep, if I, if we were sitting across from each other, I would just be like looking up at you like, is this right? Is this right? <laughs> Ryan, you got to remember you're your own boss. You have to trust yourself. <laughs> Can I just pay you to tell me that? I? <laughs> and then they, they have their own hierarchical levels within that too. But this is, this is the intermediate level of this. Uh, golden dawn system and then we have the third order the fabled third order called the secret chiefs who are said to be great adepts no longer in incarnate form but who directed the activities of the lower two orders by spirit communication of course the top of the chain is always some kind of like like evolved non Oh, yeah. Non-physical being at this point. I am I am pure energy at this point. <laughs> you can't hope to understand their ways because they are not amongst us peasants anymore. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <Yes. laughs> so with the Golden Dawn, and this goes back to what I was saying at the very beginning and the whole like connection between uh, spiritualism and science is, you know, unlike maybe some religious practices there was less focus on like things that could be read as like worship and a lot more of a focus on an almost like academic rigor there was a lot of studying symbols studying rituals Mm -hmm. with the end goal being to develop as a fully spiritual being so it's it's kind of a yeah rigorous almost academic approach which it makes perfect sense uh, when you think about just England, like uh, post-industrial England and like you have all these like, you know, writers and stuff like it makes perfect sense that they'd want their spirituality to be academic. You know? 
Totally, totally. It really, it just, it's very on brand. And this kind of leads us to, obviously, if you're talking an academic approach, text is very important. And the primary text of the Golden Dawn were the cipher manuscripts. Ooh. Cipher manuscripts, so mysterious. These manuscripts as old as time, right? <laughs> of course. Um. And um... <laughs> of course, why wouldn't they be? <laughs> Everything depends on them being as old as time, so they must be. <laughs> they are written in English from right to left using the Trithemius cipher, mm-hmm. which is a polyalphabetic code first described in the 15th century by the German priest Johannes Trithemius. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and so it was kind of a, you know, it's, we're going to crack the code. Like, I'm not going to lie, in researching uh, a lot of this, I, I kept thinking about like the Da Vinci Code and stuff because like. I thought Zodiac. Uh, in a way, oh, like okay, just looking at okay. these, the like this one sheet, I'm like, that's that's a page from Mr. Zodiac himself. <laughs> the Zodiac Killer? <laughs> yes, Mr. Zodiac Killer, if you will. Um, <laughs> uh, but I mean, like, you got to give props to this is a, these spooky letters, you know? I, yeah, I, I no, see I actually and, think yeah. I'm gonna, um, I'll post on our Instagram, Happy Harvest Horror Show. I'll post some images from the cipher manuscripts because they're yeah. definitely interesting for sure. Fascinating. Yeah, I. whenever I get a chance, I'll plug it. Hellboy is so good. And it's, he's an occult detective. And I've seen these letters all over those stories. And so going back and learning about this the cipher manuscript, I'm like, oh, shit. That's where that is. That's what he was talking mm-hmm. about. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Occult letters. Occult letters. Um, so that became the basis, like the text, you know, the mm-hmm. the basis of a lot of their belief and like the the secrets they were trying to unlock. And now, now for now for some drama, now for a little yes, drama, please. a little human drama. There always is. So a woman by the name of Anna Springle was attributed with being one of the primary sources of the knowledge and rituals of the Golden Dawn, mm-hmm. which is like what gave authenticity to the order. So she was also connected to the cipher manuscripts. I believe her name was found on one of them or something along those yeah. lines. Yeah. So she was connected to the cipher manuscripts, so also the primary source of knowledge and ritual. However, in a strange turn of events, she didn't actually exist. She was made up by one of the founders. Ain't that just the way? <laughs> Ain't that just the way? And that's not even all of the drama. So so this woman who supposedly, you know, wasn't actually a part of the order, but was where all of this knowledge came from mm-hmm. was actually created by one of the founders. Yeah, because she had she had the ability to come in contact with like these supernatural entities, which then allowed her to write them on these yep. manuscripts and then send them off going, I've heard the good word. Go forth. Go for exactly. So a few years later, a woman by the name of Edith Dis Debar shows up claiming to be Anna Springle. Mm-hmm. Mathers, who is one of the leaders, buys it because he doesn't know that Sprangle isn't a real person. I don't remember exactly. I, do you know uh, who made her up? It was one person. One person knew, like, made up Anna Sprangle, but no one else knew that she wasn't real. 
I, I no. Okay. I Westcott. Well, sorry, Westcott is is the it's one. Okay. okay. There's a possible. <laughs> no one knows. But like, <laughs> everyone knows that it's it's not real, but no one knows who did it. That's the secret. Like, <laughs> okay, we're gonna say if we're wrong, email us. Um, we're gonna say Westcott was the one who came up with Anna Sprinkle, but no one else knew that she wasn't real. Everyone else was like on board, right? Right. So Edith Distabar shows up claiming to be Anna Sprinkle. Mathers doesn't know that Sprinkle isn't a real person, totally mm-hmm. buys it. He's like, oh, she's here. The prophet's here, you know? Edith Distabar is actually a very well-known con artist who wow. is known for running a whole list of cons. Like, you can look her up. She was one of the most famous fake mediums of the time. And she did all kinds of shady shit. Anyways, Mathers lets her in to the Golden Dawn, Mm-hmm. Gives her access to all the secret shit. Oof. Pretty quickly, some of the members sense that something's up. Mm-hmm. And so Distabar um, and her partner in crime, his name was Frank Dutton Jackson, mm-hmm. flee back to London. And she takes a bunch of the secret books with her. No. <laughs> yeah, she's taking the, the secret info with her. And so she flees back to London, and then the pair start going by the names Swami Laura Horos and Theodore Horos. And they begin using the texts from the Hermetic Order as the basis for what was known as the Purity League, which is a big culty con. Damn. Bad shit went on. Really bad shit went on. And eventually they ended up getting caught and sentenced in 1901. She got like seven years in prison and then fled back to the U.S. and tried to start another cult, but like it didn't work. <laughs> like that's that's one of the things about these like con artists and cult leaders and like people like this is they do not give up, dude. They do not give up. <laughs> nope, they don't know when to stop. <laughs> they don't. And it's like it's kind of impressive. You're just like, man, you just nothing's going to keep you down, huh? Like, <laughs> like it's wild. Just Chumbawanga, man. <laughs> They get knocked down. So pretty like big drama in terms of how the Golden Dawn kind of found its credibility, how it was taken advantage of, of. Also, you know, there have been offshoots of the Golden Dawn or offshoots um, that maybe took the belief systems or knowledge from the Golden Dawn and mm-hmm. used it to nefarious ends. You know, you always got to be on, you got to watch out for cults, you guys. Like, you, you, you really do. <laughs> Ultimately, you know, at the top of like the OG golden dawn was not a cult but you know it, there's some culty elements that it's it's pretty easy to take the system and use it in a nefarious way mm-hmm. so yeah so that's what i have for drama within the golden dawn i know you mentioned some other other drama as well well we do know that so it's it's believed that westcott you know made up this woman and but he was also the one that deciphered these uh these papers which is also very convenient and but he in 1897 he broke all ties to the golden dawn leaving matters in control and this was because it, it speculated that he lost a number of these occult papers in a handsome cab and when the papers were found Westcott's connection to the Golden Dawn was discovered and his employers were not happy about that because he was a coroner. And so they're like, if you want to continue 
working on this occupation. You have to relinquish all ties. You have to resign or you have to give up your occupation. We won't be associated with that here. So he gave up, leaving Mathers in charge of the whole thing, becoming the chief. And Mathers, after this, was the only active founding member after Westcott's departure. Mm-hmm. So it just, it smells fishy. All of it smells fishy. <laughs> We're talking about the stacks on stacks, crimes on crimes, deception on deception, you know, like. Yep. <laughs> It's a direction that these groups kind of always seem to find themselves following where, I don't know, I don't know if it it is involving, you know, like thirst for power or what it is, but things always get convoluted and it always seems to be like he said, she said, and then Mm -hmm. like, is it, it's like, it's no longer a group of people, you know, with like a shared goal or a shared idea. something completely different it's i don't know it it, a very human hubris yeah 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 exactly yeah there's a lot of drama surrounding this stuff and it's the more drama came from it you know also probably the most famous text about the hermetic order of the golden dawn is a book called the golden dawn the original account of the teachings rites and ceremonies of the hermetic order by Mm -hmm. israel regardi and this book is kind of a big deal because regardi broke an oath of secrecy in publishing so he was an actual member and he published this book which looks to be like a tome like it looks huge so i'd like to check it out because it must just be full of information a lot of juicy stuff yeah all of this very important information but yeah he broke an oath of secrecy in publishing because right like secret society you're not supposed to do that however the book is a big reason why people keep practicing and honestly probably why the golden dawn has continued to exist to present day Mm -hmm. because without the book it wouldn't have been able to take on new incarnations like the society probably would have just fallen apart double-edged sword right it's very interesting text it looks like i'd like to check it out for sure also moving into maybe a a bit more of a theoretical direction i wanted to talk about one source that i got a, a great deal of information from is the hermetic order of the golden dawn 1888 to 1901 by dennis denisoff which which Come sounds on. like a fake name. <laughs> uh, Brian Bryanson. <laughs> but um it's it's an essay. It's uh it's really good and easily available at uh, branchcollective.org. It's just a very like I think straightforward forward kind of historical essay but like also with some really interesting insight. And what I loved is at the end of this essay, Dennis Hoff goes into the Golden Dawn as artwork. And in 1986, someone named R.A. Gilbert suggested viewing the Golden Dawn as a work of art, as many of the members were great artists and writers. And there was so much information kind of left, right? Like lots of writings. You have these cipher papers. You have, you know, you have a lot of actual like textual information. So yeah, in in 86, it was suggested like, what if we started to analyze this as an artwork? And I love this approach because personally, I subscribe to the belief that art and spirituality are one and the same. 
and that all religions are works of art and likewise all art is like work of spirit like that's kind of my ethos like that's Mm -hmm. that's what I believe and so this is very on point in my opinion and um, there's one paragraph I wanted to read please do so there's a popular British novel at the time called The Beetle by Richard Marsh Mm -hmm. which I haven't read I guess it depicts the occult in like a negative light, but the author kind of writes about it in relation to the Golden Dawn. Also, there's like speculation that Marsh was connected to the Golden Dawn. So who knows? But anyways, here is the paragraph. In his novel, Marsh depicts the occult as a form of ongoing creative production that proves culturally potent, not despite, but because of the malleability of its myth-making. As such, the beetle is a reflection of the broader function of associations such as the Golden Dawn that arose in part as an imaginative response to the modern devaluation of those less tangible elements of everyday life. Marsh's representation of an unruly, otherworldly force operating beyond common notions of time tapped into a popular cultural trope of the period— a deep interest in all things defiantly secretive and mysterious. This attention culminated in a string of literary works by Golden Dawn members and others, such as Oscar Wilde's Picture of Dorian Gray, Arthur Matchen's Great God Pan, and Bram Stoker's Dracula. Mm -hmm. It was no single writer, however, but the collective members of the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn that made the 19th century's most serious and sustained effort to reimagine and re-engage with a prehistoric occult tradition. In this sense, it is the order that can be seen as the major Victorian author of the often fictional but no less influential history of occultism and natural magic. I love that. Me too, dude. Me too. Like, there's so much power in that alone, you know? And so much mm-hmm. magic in that concept, right? Like, yeah. I, yeah, I just, I really, I mean, I think that's beautifully written. And I, I think, and it connects to the lineage of, you know, Victorian Gothic literature and, and you know, connects the Order of the Golden Dawn. And, yeah, I'm just, I'm a, I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan. Yeah. I in my research too, I, I read something similar that, that also made that connection that in this time in Victorian England, it was a very conservative and judgmental time. Mm-hmm. That I mean you could be jailed for or imprisoned for, you know, political inclinations and, and your thoughts. Um so this was a, another act of defiance of having this secret, like super otherworldly esoteric society is in like direct opposition to a lot of the norms of the time. Totally. And that connects to their inclusion of women. You know, they were a um, progressive society in that sense, right? They were, right. you could tell that they were actively trying to push for more progressive ideas and politics for sure. And I like to believe, I like to believe that that even though these, these uh, cipher manuscripts might all just be bunk and probably are, but like, isn't it the world better uh, thinking that these there's dark rituals out there, you know, that, like, <laughs> does it just make the world a better you know, place? <laughs> just that there's something, you know, if if I do enough studying of the metaphysics of the universe, I can be my own magician and master of my own. I can be my own boss. <laughs> the Hermetic Order of the Golden 
Don colon be your own boss. <laughs> your own boss. <laughs> That's like the name of this episode. No, I think, I mean, I think all of it is super relevant. Like, yeah, completely. I, you know, I don't think like the answers are super straightforward or, or one thing or the other, right? Like I do believe in magic. I think magic is an amazing thing. I, I think it's an invisible force in the universe. That doesn't mean I necessarily, you know, mean it in um, a, a super literal way. But that doesn't, that also doesn't mean I don't think it exists. You know what I mean? I, I think sure. when we have these conversations about spiritualism and magic and, um, yeah, be your own boss, your personal power, we want a really literal, practical understanding, right? Like people either want to believe, like, oh, okay, so magic's a thing. So, like, I can learn to, like, move shit with my eyes. You know, like people want, yeah. like, a very specific, tangible uh, way to understand it. Or else they want to be like, well, it's not real, you know, like extremes. Yeah. And it's mm -hmm. like, actually, the magic exists in the liminal space. It all exists in the liminal space, right? Like, it's actually a lot more nuanced than that, I think. Yeah, I, I mean, I do think magic is real. I, But just like I said just a little while, while ago, I think it's, it is very much tied up in what we do in the physical realm as well, though, you know? Sure. Like, art being magic magic being art point isn't to like prove or disprove something it's to like actually use the energy and the invisible forces to create and make your own reality and be your own boss you know hell yeah <laughs> but this this got surprisingly self-helpy <laughs> as much as we try to steer away just we boomerang right back i know right but yeah i mean that's pretty much all i have did you have any other information or anything you wanted to touch on no i mean yeah there is plenty of written material out there that gets more in the weeds about this stuff um this is this was our kind of even though we're at an hour it was a vague overview of what they are just trying to give you like the baseline concepts. Oh, right, exactly. But I mean, you can you can get into all the different orders and all the different societies that all branch out from these things. We can go through all the hierarchies of each of the orders and each of the you know the spinoff seasons <laughs> of, <laughs> of of the Golden Dawn. But it's all fascinating, and I always love seeing the the origins of modern day like occult practices. Mm -hmm. And this might not be the origin of a lot of it, but you know it's. And it's cool. There's a book. I don't know if it's, I haven't finished reading it, but I just think it is an interesting read called The Black Arts. It was written like in the 50s, I think. This guy named Richard Cavendish. It attempts to be just an academic look at a lot of magician practices. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty sure I know who Cavendish is. I, yeah. that, I, that name sounds familiar and I think I know who you're talking about. But anyways. Nowadays, it's it might be looked at as like too biased against it, even though, you know, in his 50s, maybe this was a pretty valiant, you know, mm -hmm. an attempt to just stay academic. But nowadays where we're much more where it's OK to to actually in, engage in these kind of thoughts. I think I, I've, I've read in some reviews that people don't like it. But I think it's it's interesting just going through and, and learning about these occult practices and the rituals and, and kind of what the goals and aims and uh, why they do what they do. So totally. doing this research kind of brought it back and being like, oh, I got to go finish that book because that was really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So as I said, this was like more of a historical portrait of like the original order and like just a baseline information. Mm -hmm. We might do a follow-up 
looking into contemporary practices because I don't know a lot about them. I found a YouTube vlog of some random dude is like a seven minute vlog that a guy filmed like in his car where he talks about how he was like part of uh, the Golden Dawn and then like it got kind of culty and he left. (laughs) But it didn't sound like, I don't know, the stories he was telling, I was like, it sounds more like you just like didn't want to do what they were asking you to do and you left, which is fine. Like, you know, if you don't want to do it, then you leave. Like, that's cool. But anyways, I'm interested in contemporary practices. I'm also very interested in learning more about Kabbalah. Mm -hmm. So yeah, if any of you have any information, you know, involving that, or maybe you're connected to contemporary Golden Dawn, like we'd love to hear firsthand accounts for sure. Please please let us know. So you got anything like totally wrong. Also let us know because this is very much naive eyes looking from the outside in you know um, at least for me <laughs> baby over here little baby brian that's me in a big occult candy shop whoa whoa look at that <laughs> look at that manuscript oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean i'm definitely not a member or anything along those lines so i'm i'm definitely open to new information 100%. So yeah, hit us up happy harvest horror show at gmail.com. Also just any thoughts, ideas, questions, like we love to hear it. You can also hit us up at happy harvest horror show on Instagram. Yeah. We love to see you and uh, we hope to see you soon. Okay. It's good to be back. Yeah. 2021. Hell yeah. And next week we'll get back for another spooky topic, but it will be a society secret until then. (laughs) Catch y'all later. Bye.